reconciled. Uh, there's a TV show on in its third season that has beautiful writing. It's This Is Us. I'm sure many of you have seen it. Many of you maybe haven't. The part I really appreciate about the way that they tell their story is the storytelling itself. You see, they don't generally start in one place and end in another place. What they'll usually do is have the story that they want to tell and tell it from two different perspectives, from the mother and father who were in the, met together in the uh, late 70s and uh, were married through the 80s, and then they tell the story also from a present-day perspective through the children's eyes as they've grown up and they have their own families and their own struggles and their things. And the whole show will go back and forth between these two time frames to tell the one story. So sometimes something in the older time frame is filled in later when you see it in the children's mouths and sometimes things that are going on in the children's lives is filled in with a story that's from back behind and the storytelling is wonderful. Today's kind of like that. See, we sit here in the beginning of Advent. We're waiting for the coming of our King. We celebrate the coming Christ as the Christ child, and our gospel reading is from Holy Week in Lent, as Jesus is in the triumphal entry, coming into Jerusalem during the Passover, and people are singing his praises. Now remember, this lectionary reading has been together for several hundred years, near thousands of years, maybe not thousands, but at least a thousand, right? As the church has gone through and pulled together readings. So did they mess up? They forget what time of year it was. They, they saw the purple and blue and they said, hey, it's Lent, not Advent. Let's, let's put a Lent reading in there. Well, maybe not. See, his reading is beautiful, right? Jesus has come up from Galilee, and anytime it's up, you always go up to Jerusalem because up was just a little bit higher. It is south of where Galilee's at, but it's up, right? So they're going on the way up to Jerusalem. Jesus knows his mission that's ahead of him. They're rounding the corner of the road as they come towards Bethany, when Bethany is too far to actually celebrate the Passover. It's outside the bounds of what is clean and blessed and kosher with uh, surrounding the temple and surrounding Jerusalem. So they're coming out of Bethany, and he says, hey guys, go on ahead. There's a guy in town that has a colt. You're going to find that colt. You're going to tell him the Lord has need of it, and uh, he's just going to let it go. Don't worry about it. We'll bring that colt to me when that happens. And so the disciples go, and they find it just as he said. And it's kind of fun. We marvel a little bit. We say, man, Jesus' omniscience of knowing what was going to be ahead is a miraculous thing, and it is. The other fun part is Jesus may have just known the guy. He's like, hey, in about a week, I'm going to need a colt. You know, either way, whatever the connection was, Jesus knew what was there. He let the disciples know what was coming. They went and they got the colt. And the other interesting thing there, we hear the owner of the colt and we hear the Lord has need of it. The word in the Greek is exactly the same. It's the Lord of the colt and the Lord, the Lord, has need of it. And so we have Jesus right there in those words being shown as the Lord 
over everything. The Lord over creation. The Lord over a cult. The Lord over the circumstances. The Lord over everything that is going on. And the disciples take that cult. They throw their cloaks on it. It even says they put Jesus on the cult. He didn't climb up on his own, I guess. And they set him up on the cult. They come up the Mount of Olives, and as they start the descent down the Mount of Olives, with Jerusalem in sight and the temple in sight, people start praising. And it's not just the 12. It's the whole multitude of disciples, this whole huge group of people surrounding the Lord of everything as he rides in lowly and humble, and they say, peace in heaven, glory to God in the highest. Those rings, those words ring a bell? Peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. You see, those disciples and everybody were looking for that Messiah. They were looking for the one to take them out of uh, the situation that was going on. They were looking for the one who was to lead them into a glorious day. They had seen the miraculous things that Jesus has done, and they figured there must be peace in heaven because God's people were seeing an amazing thing going on. They may have seen things differently than what was about to happen. But nonetheless, they could see God's hand in the middle of this. So there they walk, these praises, these accolades, everything going on as Jesus is being carried to the temple upon this colt. Peace in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. Let's jump back in a time frame. That's present day Jesus, right? Not our present day, but his present day in the midst of the reading. Let's jump back to Bethlehem. Shepherds wandering in a field, taking care of their flock by night, as the song goes, right? And this whole multitude of angels appears, and it comes out in glorious song, and these angels say, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest. Neat little twist, right? As Jesus comes from heaven to be incarnate upon his own creation the whole multitude of the heavenly host join together in song and say glory to god in the highest and peace right down here on earth peace is coming down here on earth and i know this is a morning where we're celebrating and focusing in on a sure and certain hope but what do we have hope in Too many things distract us from the sure and certain nature of God's promises. Too many things turn our eyes inwards on ourselves to say, that may have happened long ago, but right now there's no peace. Right now we don't see peace. Right now we see death, we see things fall apart, and we see things that don't look anything like peace. So there must not be peace on earth or peace in heaven. And so, we look around and we get lost and we get distracted. 
We take things on our own shoulders and we start to work each day in each life saying, God must not be there because things are broken where I walk right now and there's no way that God's hand could be in the midst of that. We see sicknesses. We watch loved ones go through depression. We walk along those who have are trying to recover from whatever it may be, whether it is a health thing or whether it's a stroke or whether it's a financial thing, it doesn't really matter. We see the things that hurt and weigh us down in life and we try and figure out where there might be hope or peace. But then we remember those angels singing, peace on earth as Jesus is born. Then we remember those disciples around Jesus, peace in heaven and glory to God in the highest. Because you see, that's where Jesus was headed. He was headed to make peace for us in heaven. He was headed down that road on that coal into the temple in to be persecuted for us, in to be condemned for us to hang on a cross for us and bring peace. doesn't look like peace as he hangs there bloodied because of our sins, but it's peace in heaven. Because that final sacrifice was given. That final reconciliation was made. Where there was no peace, Jesus brought peace. Where the relationship was broken between God and us, Jesus brought peace. He came down to earth as peace. He went back up to heaven as peace and then showed up again. Showed up after the resurrection and stands there amongst his disciples and said, Peace I bring to you. My peace I give to you. And again, here we are on a morning where we talk about an expectant hope. But what we can be sure And certain in is that peace that he gives because Jesus' promises never fall short. Jesus' promises are always true and good and Jesus' promises are always fulfilled. And when Jesus says, my peace I bring to you, my peace I give to you, that's sure and certain. And so now we look for that future day to come. We've heard of peace coming down to earth. We've heard the disciples as they got around him and celebrated God's glory and said peace in heaven. And we look for the time when that reconciliation is fully accomplished. And peace on heaven and peace on earth are one thing. No longer separated, no longer divided, no longer any divisions or broken advent candles, anything. We look for that time and place as Jesus comes again, as we look at this time of Advent, of waiting on Jesus' coming again to bring peace in heaven and peace on earth back together so there's simply peace. Sure and certain hope in the promises of God to bring that peace that Christ has given. Amen. Heavenly Father, We thank you for the peace that you promise. We thank you for the hope that you fill our lives with through faith in Jesus handed down to us through your word and our baptisms. Reminding us every time we hear of your word as you speak those words of hope and peace and joy and love. We pray that you guide us each day 
that you continually bring us back here to hear those words of forgiveness and love for us as you bring peace in every which way you can by your spirit. And you speak those words of peace upon our lips to all those that need to hear. In your son Jesus' name we pray, amen.